Our scripture reading is from Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Henry. Well, good morning and welcome to Christ Community. My name is Bill Gorman. I'm one of the pastors here. Really glad that you're here with us this morning. And we are um, in the new year, beginning a new series, uh, which I'm really excited about. And as we prepare to uh, launch in and looking a little closer at the text that uh, Henry just read for us, um, I want to begin by praying and asking that God would be uh, at work opening our ears and our hearts to hear from him uh, in, his, in his word and trust that he's already been at work um, in the service. He, he is here with us, but just want to pause here um, and, and invite him especially to do that now as we look at this passage of scripture. So Father in heaven, thank you that you speak, um, that you are a speaking God, that you spoke in the world and the universe and the stars came into being. Thank you that you speak and you breathe and you give us life. And I pray now that you would, uh, by the power of your spirit, breathe fresh life into us through your inspired word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start by just making a statement this morning that I, th I, think, I think you're going to agree with, but I just want to put it out there. And that is that Mondays are the worst. And, and, and I, I got some laughs, maybe a few amens. Let's try that again. Mondays are the worst. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Mondays are the worst. And, uh, and even, you know, and this week was kind of particularly bad because it felt like there was two Mondays this week. All right? Because you had Monday the 31st, but then also maybe you had Tuesday off and then you had to go back uh, on Wednesday. For me, it felt like there was two Mondays in this week. So even when Monday is a Wednesday, it feels like the worst. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I love my life. I love my family. Uh, I, I love the work that I get to do. Um, but sometimes on Monday, you know, you get out of bed or you roll out of bed and you just think, what am I doing with my life? What is this all about? Mondays are hard. I mean, there's, there's, again, there's a reason that no one's opened a restaurant chain yet called uh, TGIM. Thank God it's Mondays. I mean, <laughs> when have you found yourself thinking that, oh, thank God it's Monday. Um, and, and weekends can be full, right? Of course. But it seems like on the weekend, at least, there's a little bit more freedom with our time, uh, a little bit more rest, um, right? And on weekends, you even get to come to church on Sunday, so bonus there, right? Um, and then you're, you're here for an hour, maybe two if you're serving, you're, you're learning, you're singing, uh, but then it's back to Monday again, back to the rest of life. Um, back to the majority of life, because Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the, that is where real life takes place. 
You go back to school, back to laundry and soccer games and the office and job sites and paying bills and figuring out what to watch next in the next Netflix queue, which is important, right? Do you ever, Rachel and I call it a show hole. It's like you get to that point, we finished one show and now you got to figure out what's going to go in that, that, that slot. So you got to figure out the next show, planning chores. It's just, that's Monday life. And then back here for another hour, or maybe two at church on Sunday, and then we're back at it again. But man, if Monday, if what we do with most of the time is an interruption to our happiness, it's an interruption to our joy, our faith, our worship, if Monday isn't an interruption, then we're in trouble. Because that's not really good news. But, but what, if Monday, what if Monday wasn't an interruption? Uh, what if Monday was actually the place where God wants to know us and be known by us, to use us, to help us find joy? What if the very thing that we so often dread is actually an advantage? Uh, now let me tell you a, a brief story to kind of explain what I mean. Uh, several years ago, through a lot of kind of research and evaluation, this is about maybe two and a half, three years ago, I, I realized that it wasn't until I was an adult I figured this out, but that I, was, that I am dyslexic. And, and that, coming to that realization, it's like, oh man, I have this dyslexic processing style, it means my brain works really differently. And, and there's a way to look at dyslexia as a disadvantage, right? As an interruption that makes things like reading tough and, and spelling really hard and putting your thoughts down on paper and organizing uh, writing really difficult, so there's a way to look at all the things that it weighs as a disadvantage, as an interruption. But then I was introduced to a book called The Dyslexic Advantage. And, and rather than focusing on things that a dyslexic processing style makes difficult, it explores how this different way of processing actually helps those who are dyslexic to sell, excel in other areas. That this, the very things that make it hard to do certain tasks actually better equip you for other kinds of thinking and work. So you may have trouble with fine detail processing and language and writing, but it also makes you really good at seeing big picture ideas and interconnections and spatial reasoning. So increasingly, I'm trying to embrace that dyslexic processing style, not just as an interruption or a frustration, but as an advantage. And what if we could do the same thing with, with Monday? See it not just as something to be endured, but something to be enjoyed, to be celebrated. But here's the thing. So often, pastors are obsessed not with Monday, but with Sunday. Right? And it makes sense. This is kind of a big day if you're a pastor. Right? I feel like I can actually kind of measure out my life and existence in Sundays. You know, what, how, how close are we to the next Sunday? How long has it been since the last one? Am I off on this Sunday? That it's easy for life to revolve as a pastor around Sunday. But we spend so little time, actually, here together on Sunday. Which is why we're starting a new sermon series. And really, a, uh, not just a new sermon series, but a new way of thinking about Christ's community. And that is, we want to be a church for Monday. Why? Because we believe that everything matters to God. That God made you to worship Him with all of your life. Which means that God made you for Monday, not just for Sunday. He made you for so much more than just Sunday. He made you for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, Saturday, to worship Him in all of life. 
And so as we start out this, this new year, uh, 2019, this is actually Christ Community's 30th birthday this year. We're turning 30 as a church. And, and we want to start it right. And as a church and a people that sees all of life as sacred before God, a church that invests its energy not just on making Sundays great or, or at least tolerable when you're here for this hour, hour 15 minutes, but on preparing you to walk out of these doors ready for anything, ready for everything, ready to follow Jesus in all of life, because that's what he's called us to do, not just follow him on Sunday or in an hour during a community group meeting or 15 minutes of prayer, but in all of life. So throughout this series, we're going to paint a picture of the kind of person who's ready for Monday. What do they do? What do they believe? What does it, what does it look like? And throughout these Sundays, we'll look at our responsibility individually, as well as how we as a church, as a community gathered together, ought to come alongside one another to help us grow in these things. And we'll be in a variety of texts throughout the Bible in this series, um, moving around a little bit more than we ordinarily do. Um, but if you're new, this is a perfect time to jump in and explore with us at Christ Community, because you're really going to get a sense of, of what we believe is at the very core of following Jesus. And if you've been around for a while, I actually hope that a lot of this sounds pretty familiar. But if you're like me, you need these reminders of what it is to follow Jesus in all of life. So now, if you would, grab one of the pew Bibles, or if you have it on your phone, pull up a Bible, and, uh, and look at Ephesians chapter 4, where Peter, or, excuse me, where, where Henry read to us uh, from Paul's letter. I don't know where Peter came from. It wasn't written by Paul. It wasn't read by... Uh, wasn't, anyway, let me just stop there. Um, somehow Peter came into my mind. Um, where Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesian church. And, and we call this, uh, oftentimes we call these books of the Bible, but this, this, this is an epistle. It's a letter that Paul wrote to this church that he helped to start. Um, and then he moved on and he wrote this letter back to them to encourage them. And it contains incredible insight, the whole letter on what the local church is to be about. Actually, I encourage you this week to, to read it. It's not long. I think in this Bible, I count, I think it's like five and a half pages. It's not, it's not long, um, but it's so packed with so much good stuff. And, and God inspired these words, uh, and so they're relevant not just to the original uh, readers of this letter, but to us today as well. And what you get in Ephesians chapter 4 is this great picture of how the church is supposed to work. And in verse 11 of chapter 4, Paul explains that the leaders of the church, verse, uh, what those are, who those are. And then in verse 12, he talks about what those leaders should be doing. And then in verses 13 through 16, he shows us that the desired outcome within every person's life in the church, what that's supposed to look like. And, and so I want us to actually start at the end and sort of work our way backward so at the end here, Paul says the goal of the church is to help everyone reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity with the stature measured by Christ's fullness. And if that happens, then Paul says, then we will no longer be children tossed by waves, blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and cleverness in, every in, the, in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow up, grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. So you read that description, you kind of think, okay, well, that's easy enough. Not really. 
It's a huge goal, right? Not, not that's, but this is what we're called to as a church, to grow up in every way, to reach full maturity in Christ. And again, notice that maturity language in those verses. Growing into maturity, measured by the fullness of Christ, growing up in every way, no longer children. The goal of the church is to help us mature in Christ. That's, that's what all of this is about, is to help us become more and more who Christ has redeemed us to be, who he's making us to be as new creations in him. C.S. Lewis said the, the whole point of the church is, is to make little Christs, to help us to grow up to be like him. It begins, that life begins by, by being spiritually reborn. Because becoming a Christian is not a matter of, of trying harder or becoming better, but about recognizing that, that I am completely helpless on my own and I need someone to rescue me to save me. You become a Christian by trusting Jesus and moving from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And that's something that only God can do. And from that point on of spiritual birth, we are growing. And just like parents help their children grow from infancy to youth to adulthood, the church is designed to help us grow up. Uh, Thursday night after I came from, from work, Lucy put on all the stuff that I left by the door. I think I've got a picture of here. So she put on my jacket, my hat. She had my work bag. And, and, and I, I took a picture of this. I thought, this is, this is a perfect picture of what Paul is talking about. We, we have this new life in Christ that we, that we put on, and it's all kind of a little bit big for us, and we need to grow up into maturity into this life so it fits us. And the church is supposed to help us to grow into those things. We've been called to these huge things. And one day we will mature and grow into them. Paul is saying this is what the local church is about to help us figure out all of life. Growing as followers of Jesus. Growing up into maturity. So that when we walk out of the church gathered. That's what we're doing here. Gathered as a church on so many. When we walk out of the church gathered to be the church scattered on Monday and every other day of the week. That we're ready. Because everything matters to God. And sometimes as Christians, we refer to certain things as secular and other things as sacred, right? So you, you have the, the sacred stuff being the, the spiritual stuff, the stuff that God cares about kind of the most, that's Sunday. And then we kind of talk about the secular stuff as, as sort of neutral or unspiritual or just stuff that God doesn't care as much about. And the Monday stuff. But that, that divide, that doesn't, that doesn't exist in reality. We can try to kind of put that framework on it, but that, it doesn't actually exist. Uh, and Martin Luther King Jr. in his letter from a Birmingham jail during the heart of the civil rights movement, he, just, he captures this so well. He says, in the midst of a mighty struggle to rid our nation of racial and economic injustice, I've heard many ministers say those are social issues with which the gospel has no real concern. And I've watched many other churches commit themselves to a completely otherworldly religion that makes a strange, and this is key, unbiblical distinction between body and soul, between the sacred and the secular. We may try to divide sacred and secular, but ultimately we can't. We are always being formed spiritually or deformed spiritually on Sunday and on Monday. 
<laughs> your, your exercise habits, how you use your phone, what you buy, where you live, how you treat your brother or sister, how you relate to your parents. Those things are always shaping you, forming you in one way or another. Either they're making you more like Jesus, forming you more into his image and likeness, or they're making you less like him, ultimately making us less human. We're always being formed or deformed. So Monday matters because all of life matters to God. Jesus doesn't want you to be mature just for one hour and 15 minutes on Sunday mornings when you're here. He wants you mature for all 168 hours in a week. Now that may seem obvious, right? But think about it. How often do you think about your formation, your development outside of Sunday morning? Because here's the thing, it's relatively easy to follow Jesus at church on Sunday. Or at least it's a short enough time that you can, you can fake it for that long, right? It's only an hour, a couple hours. But it's a lot harder on Monday. But God made you for Monday. It isn't an interruption to the life that he has for you. It is the life that he has for you. Are you ready? Because uh, Monday matters to God. It also means that Monday is an opportunity for God's people. Every day is an opportunity for us to grow and to serve. Go back to verse 12 where Paul writes, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's our job as a church. Do you see it? Now, I think sometimes we, we miss it and we miss the Monday implications of it because of that word ministry and also the word saints that are there. Because when we hear those words of ministry and saints, I think it's easy to kind of conjure up images in our mind of, of stained glass, of someone in a clerical collar, uh, maybe a picture of, a, of an icon that all seems very Sunday. But that word translated ministry there simply means service. You could translate that to equip them for the works of, of service. It, the word simply means service, right? And you, you think about this, in some countries you have a prime minister, a minister simply means someone who serves. In that country, the, they should be the chief servant. And, and the same thing with the word saints can kind of trip us up as well. Again, we, we think of, of Mother Teresa, or we think of some person from the past who is super holy. But really, in the New Testament, when that language of saints is used, it's just it's a way of talking about Christians. The word simply means to be set apart, be called out by God, to be called to Him. And Paul can write to the Corinthian church, which was full of all kinds of a mess of stuff. And he calls them saints. He calls them saints. If you have trusted Jesus, you are a saint. So every day is an opportunity to grow, an incredible opportunity to serve. And the church should be helping you to do, to do both, but not just on Sundays. Every day is an opportunity for this. And, and I guess a lot of you have uh, maybe thought through some New Year's resolutions um, for this year. And, and if you, you have, I, I would imagine they all probably some way connect to wanting to be a better person, a better human this year. And whether you're a Christian or not, how do you plan to get there? How do you intend to grow? And maybe part of the plan was, well, maybe I should go back to church. 
I need to be at church more. And great. And listen, that should definitely be on your list. Because one of the things we'll see in this series is that we cannot be the people that we are created to be outside of the context of the local church. We simply can't do it. But if that's it, if if the plan is only I'm just going to spend an hour or two at church on Sunday morning, it's, it's not enough. Because if you, if you think of Sunday like a meal, right, it's a really big meal. It's a big feast. You come together, there's all these people, you're singing, right, or you're, hopefully you're, you're inspired by a, a truth from the scripture. It's this great gathering together. Might be your, kind of your favorite meal of the week. Right? But if I were only to eat on Sundays, that would not be flourishing. Yet how many of us believe our souls can flourish on just one meal a week. And every day, we have to think about every day is an opportunity to grow and to mature. Uh, this week I read a fantastic book called The, the Liturgy of the Ordinary. It's really beautifully written um, by an Anglican priest, uh, Tish Harrison Warren, and she puts this so well. She says, the new life into which we are baptized is lived out in days, hours, and minutes. God is forming us into new people And then don't miss this. She says, and the place of that formation is in the small moments of today. We tend to want a Christian life with the dull bits cut out. Yet God made us to spend our days in rest, work, play, taking care of our bodies, our families, our neighborhoods, our homes. What if all of these boring parts matter to God? What if days passed in ways that feel small and insignificant to us are weighty with meaning and part of the abundant life that God has for us? What she's getting at is that Monday is weighty. Monday is a part of the abundant life that God has for you. Monday is part of the abundant life that God has for you. Monday is not an interruption to the life that God has for you. Monday is the life that God has for you. So so Monday matters. It's an opportunity to serve, to grow, which means that, that Monday is the majority of our mission. Monday is the majority of the mission. There are 168 hours in a week, and 167 of those are not at church on Sunday. Because Monday is all of life. That's what the metaphor is. The majority of our mission takes place not here in this building on Sunday, but out there on Monday. And the reason that I have a job as a pastor, as a teacher, is to equip you for the majority of your life. Which again, takes place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Look again at verses 11 and 12. And Jesus gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, that's you could translate that pastor, the pastor, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You know, our role as leaders, our mission as a church is to get you ready for, for Monday, for everything else in life. Yes, Sundays matters. The, the church gathered is a big deal, and we want to do that well. And we want you to be here on Sundays, absolutely. But as we go from the church gathered here on Sunday to the church scattered out there on Monday, if you walk out of here unprepared for the remaining 167 hours of your week, then then we are failing. We cannot fulfill 
our mission of making disciples, which is Christ's community's mission, we want to be a caring family of multiplying disciples, influencing our community and world for Jesus Christ. We cannot fulfill that mission if we are content for being at church only for Sunday. That's the easy day. What you and I both need is a church that cares about, understands, is relevant to, and gets us ready for all of life. So what does it look like then to be ready? Well, that's what we're going to unpack in these next seven weeks together. And there's going to be a message on each of these, but let me give you a quick preview. This is not an exhaustive list that I'm going to show you here. It's not meant to be sequential like you do it step by step in order, um, nor are these things something that you ever completely check off. Does that make sense? But these are a picture of what someone who's getting ready for Monday is like. Here they are. A person ready for Monday or getting ready is growing in these seven things. He or she takes up their cross, trusting Jesus in all of life, puts on the yoke, pursuing intimacy with God through spiritual disciplines, builds their life on the Bible, seeing everything as God's story, loves the church, prioritizing the family of God, seeks the good of the city, giving themselves away, seeks the good of the city, sharing the gospel in word and deed, and seeks the good of the city, working diligently for the flourishing of all. Now, if you've been around Christ community for a little bit, those should actually have a familiar ring to them because they, they are, they're just our values, right? The cross, yoke, Bible, church, city. But there are values applied to the Christian life of discipleship, of following Jesus. And we're so committed to these seven things, we're going to take a Sunday on each one of them. And we want our community groups to be talking about them. And, and we've even, and we're going to get one of these in just a moment, they're going to pass them out. But we even created a, a booklet to go along with this, this series. For every uh, adult here, we have one, uh, certainly. And also for middle school, high school students, if you want to do this with us, we would love that. Um, we have plenty of these, so uh, take one. Um, we can print more. This is something we created in-house, so uh, you don't have to share. Um, and, and listen, I know this is what you've been waiting for homework for church. Um, this is what, what you've all been longing for. Uh, and, and maybe it sounds crazy, but we think this is so important for each of us to live uh, the life we were created for, these seven things, that we want to do anything we can to help you with them. And so we created this as just a place to begin. Um, it won't take much time, um, but it will help us get started and help us be ready for Monday. And so if you're looking for a tangible next step this morning, okay, what do I do about this message? Well, the first step is just to take this home with you. Um, and tomorrow is the first Monday of the new year. Um, and the assignment that is in this book is so simple. Uh, and actually, I did it this week just to kind of get ready. It's on page 12. And it's just an assignment called Exploring Your, your Monday, basically. What, do you, what is your Monday like? Your roles, your responsibilities, your relationships, how do you use your time? Again, you can kind of see my scribbles here in this book. I'd encourage you to take just a couple minutes. I think it took me six minutes, eight minutes to do this. You can spend longer on it if you want, but to think through your Monday. And, and if you do that, if you're willing, I'd love to it was like, snap a picture of it and, uh, and send it to me. I'd love to see how you're thinking about this, how it's working out in your life. And I'm sure you've got questions. Uh, so do we. Uh, we've got seven weeks together to figure this out and, and really a whole lifetime together to explore this calling that Jesus has put on our life to follow him in every area of life, to experience you know, the flourishing, the abundance that he has for us. And imagine if we did this. 
Imagine if we actually began to live more like Jesus. Think about it. Jesus came as an ordinary baby, born to ordinary parents on an ordinary day in an ordinary city, who worked an ordinary job as a carpenter, most of his life on earth we really know nothing about, right? We, we get these stories in the Gospels about his birth, and then it kind of picks up his ministry. We, it, most of his life was so ordinary, the apostles didn't even write it down for us. Yet no one lived that ordinary life better than him. Because God didn't just come to die for our sins. Yes, that's vital, but, but Jesus... God himself came, yes, to die for our sins, but also to give us new life, to show us how to live, to empower us through his spirit to do what we could never do on our own. And imagine if we did. Right? Imagine your school filled with people following Jesus in things and bringing kindness to those who are lonely and anxious. Imagine your neighborhood filled with people who are extending Jesus' love and hospitality to all who long for community. Imagine your workplace filled with people who embrace their work as a calling from God, as a way of loving their neighbor, a way to worship. Or those quiet spaces at home when no one's looking. Or in the next argument you have in your closest relationship, the next time you're gridlocked in traffic, the next time that, that you're offended by someone's post on Facebook. What if Christians were known more for their Mondays than for their Sundays. This is the kind of church that our world needs, the kind of church that we long to be by God's grace, through His Spirit, for every day. Are you ready? Well, to help us, we want to tell a lot of stories over the next few weeks of people living this out in, in all kinds of ways. And we actually put some of those stories on video, and here's a tiny bit. This is kind of a, a, a teaser for what's coming. This is a, a sneak peek at three of the stories that we're going to hear throughout this series. I can see one aspect of me being in a chair bringing him glory. And I can say that because when people see that I love God regardless of my circumstances, when people see that I still praise him regardless of being in a chair, that gives people encouragement so they can say, no matter where I am, I can still serve God. Then the next week we went in for an ultrasound again and they just wanted to check and see. And then at that point um, is when Lisa said, so actually um, there's not only three, but there's four. At that point, we, at least, I don't know, I was like definitely like sort of shaking and then just like, oh my goodness, like four. Like, I mean, I knew three was a lot, but like what does that do for like my body, for the babies, you know, like what does that look like? When you're in a room with somebody experiencing, you know, something so shocking as you're pregnant with quadruplets or so devastating as I don't see a heartbeat today. I feel like sometimes the language of kindness is something that is easy to overlook. My main heartbeat and passion are where the guys 
want me to spend my time is creating relationships and connection points. Last spring I was over here and we had a, a young high school student <clears throat> commit suicide. And when I left the property, I just thought, man, this is just, it's just a lot of darkness here. But um, I think we could make a difference. Just have to give kids another vision for what you know, their lives could be as opposed to what it maybe is set up to be today if there's no one that's stepping in to help them. We'll be hearing uh, more stories throughout this series, and we'll get to hear each of those three stories in much more detail as we go throughout these next seven weeks together. Um, and as we begin this, this journey together these next several weeks, we're going to start in just a really ordinary way, which is by taking communion together, something we do every single week, a practice that Jesus gave us with really ordinary things, with bread, with juice. This is not anything extravagant. Jesus took something so mundane, something we do every day, which is eating, and he breathes into it this new life that he says, do this in remembrance of me. This is a picture of your dependence on me, your need to receive from me and be fed by me and nourished by me and sustained by me every single day. And it's a practice we do together as a community to strengthen us, to prepare us, uh, to remind ourselves of the story of the gospel as we prepare to go to Monday.